So now if you will turn with me to the book of Timothy and chapter number one. Timothy chapter number one. I started this uh, series of this message here on the date of uh, December the 16th. It was added to the to the uh, podcast on December 23rd. And the message is entitled, The Charge, the Command to Oppose False Teaching. So let us begin here in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 1. From Shaul, an emissary of the Messiah Yeshua, by command of God our Deliverer, and the Messiah Yeshua our hope. To Timothy, a true son, because of trust and grace, mercy and shalom, from the Father and the Messiah Yeshua our Lord. As I counseled you when I was leaving for Macedonia, stay on in Ephesus so that you may order, that is command, certain people who are teaching a different doctrine and to tell them to stop. Have them stop devoting their attention to myths and never-ending gene genealogies. These divert people to controversial speculating instead of doing God's work, which requires trust and faith. The purpose of the goal of this order, this command, is to promote love from a clean heart, from a good conscience, and from sincere trust, which is faith. Some, by aiming amiss, have wandered off into fruitless discussion. They want to be teachers of the Torah, that is the law, but they understand neither their own words nor matter which they make such emphatic pronouncements. We know that Torah, the law, is good, provided one uses it in the way that Torah itself intends. We are aware that the Torah is not for a person who is righteous, but for people who are heedless of Torah and rebellious, ungodly, sinful, wicked, and worldly, for people who kill their fathers and mothers, for murderers, for the sexual immoral, both heterosexual and homosexual, slave dealers, liars, prejurers, and anyone who acts contrary to the sound teaching. That accords with the good news and with the glorious and blessed God. This good news was entrusted to me. And I thank the one who has given me strength, the Messiah Yeshua, our Lord, that he considered me trustworthy and even put me into his service. So today we're going to dig a little bit deep, deeper here, back to verse number one. So from Shaul, an emissary. What is an emissary? That's not a word we hear on a daily basis. And so with this, an emissary is an apostle, a sent one, a representative. The Hebrew equivalent to that word is shelachim or singular, shihilak, which means sent one. Now, the Greek word soter may be rendered as deliverer. In the Hebrew word, the word is translated from the English to the original language Hebrew, it's goel. And these words may be familiar to some of you, but for some, it may not. And so, or in the English word, to get a better understanding, that word means a savior. And so this is the latter part of that verse where it says this, he, that Shaul is an emissary of Messiah Yeshua by the command of God, our deliverer. So who is the one that has delivered us from our sins? Who have, has set us free from the typology of Egypt, which represents the world system? But it was Messiah Yeshua himself. He is our Savior. He is our Deliverer. And did not Moses say that one is coming after me that's far greater than me? And to you are to listen to him every word? 
He was speaking about the promised deliverer. Even in the context of the Jewish people who were living underneath the world system, being slaves in Egypt. Now, us who have come, many people who have come from the, the nations, how can you apply that to your heart and mind in your situation? Well, if you look at Egypt as being the world system, and understand this, that God desires to deliver us from this world system, which was established and continued by acts of rebellion against God's plan and God's ways. And so the Lord God, our Father, has sent for us a deliverer who is Messiah to deliver us from the world of what? The world that we would continue to walk in sin. Now, does he immediately take us out of this world? Absolutely not. He causes us to be born again, to be filled with his spirit, and so that we have a new nature being born again. And then we have a warring between two natures that, that, that are wrestling. And this continues until either the day we die or the day that the Lord comes back for those who are in the grave or those who are living when he does return, and they will receive their glorified bodies. This is all part of God's plan. And so those of us who are alive today, who have been born of the Spirit, we have that spirit man that wrestles against that old carnal nature. But we desire to be delivered. But our deliverance will come in its full as we receive our glorified bodies. So going forward here, the English word is Savior. In Hebrew, that word Savior is translated into the Hebrew word, which is Moshiach, Savior. And so with this, God as, as deliverer appears, and I want you to consider this. He appears in the seventh blessing of the Amidah, which is a standing prayer, which is recited in the synagogues, Okay. And this is what it says there. Look on our affliction. Plead our cause and deliver us quickly for your name's sake. For you are a mighty deliverer. Blessed are you, Adonai, deliverer of whom? Israel. In the first blessing of the Amidah, God is spoken as bringing a deliverer. And remember that word in Hebrew is goel. And this is a future deliverer, but being himself a savior also, which is what in Hebrew? Moshiach. And it continues, blessed are you, God, who remembers the pious deeds of the patriarchs, were the patriarchs Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and who in love will bring a redeemer, a goel. You see, salvation has come through one people group. The Jewish people, God has ordained this. He has chosen this. And that's why Yeshua was sent to be born of the virgin Miriam, Mary, when the Ruach HaKodesh came upon her. Yeshua came in that manifestation. He is the deliverer, the Goel. So continuing here. Who in love, this is an act of love, God will bring a redeemer, a goel, to the children's children's for your name's sake. King, helper, savior, Moshiach, and shield. Blessed are you, Adonai, shield of Abraham. So now let's go back to 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 2. This is what it says there. To Timothy, a true son, because of your trust, grace, mercy, and shalom from God the Father and Messiah Yeshua, our Lord. And so with this, we go on to verse number three. As I counseled you when I was leaving for Macedonia, stay on in Ephesus so that you may order, that is command certain people who are teaching a different doctrine. So now as we go on this a little bit deeper here, we focus now on this portion, which states this, 
these verses now summarize the main purpose of the entire letter. Although Shaul writes this letter to an individual naming Timothy, his Shaul's true son in the faith. And how do we know this? If we turn now to 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 17, that's 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 17, we get even greater insights. And this is what it says here. This is why I've sent you Timothy. Now, Rashaul is writing to the Corinthian congregation, which he had established. This is why I sent you Timothy, my beloved and trustworthy child in the Lord. He will remind you of the way of life. I follow in union with Messiah Yeshua and teach everywhere in the every congregation. So he's now raising up this young man who he considers his spiritual son to be a rabbi, to be a sent one, to be speak on his behalf. And everything that he proclaims is not of his own accord. It has been given through the spirit to Rav Shaul to instruct, to strengthen, to build, to equip, so that the body of Messiah, both Jews and Gentiles, one of Messiah, could go forth and proclaim the good news to others. And so he's saying, he will confirm everything that I've told you, and he'll give you further insight. This is the trusted one that I'm now sending to you, because what was happening during that time, just like it is today, there are a lot of false teachers, false prophets, and false apostles who are drawing people unto themselves, and they're preaching another good news. They may have snippets, portions of what God's Word says, but they interject all these other teachings. And who's orchestrating this? Who's empowering these false teachers, apostles, and prophets? But Hasatan himself, because he wants to destroy what is legitimately true about God's Word. And so Rav Shaul is writing this letter to Timothy. It's not only for Timothy, because all the other generations who've been born from that time up to today and beyond will be able to benefit from this teaching, God's holy word. Praise be unto God. And so continuing here, now let us take a look at Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 22. It gives us here even more insight. Here was another group of individuals, a congregation that Rashaul, the Apostle Paul, was given instruction to raise up, to instruct, to teach, and then to raise up leaders within that congregation, both a rabbi and also elders and, and shamishin, which are, are deacons, so that they can fulfill their call and build up the Messianic community where they lived. And they were not just supposed to stay there, but they were to be an outreach to those all around them. And so here we are in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 22. So I hope to send you him. And who's the him he's speaking of here? But Timothy. I hope to send you him just as I see how things will go with me to advance the good news. And so you can see this. There are times when the Apostle Paul was focused on other things. And so he was delegating responsibility to Timothy. And he was giving confirmation that it was the Apostle Paul, Rashaul, that was sending uh, Timothy for their embetterment, for their instruction, for their encouragement so that they would continue to walk in the Lord's provision and not be misled by all these false teachers that were coming in, wolves in sheep's clothing, as other scriptures uh, comment on who they are, to deceive the elect of God. Because Hasatan knows that the word, the good news that was given to you, the seeds of the good news that were planted into your hearts and minds, has brought forth eternal life, and with that has given you instruction, 
provision. And now you have become an ambassador for Messiah. And it's the hope that is in you, Messiah living out his life in your unique character that is the testimony and the light to the world. That points back to Yeshua. He's the source. And so that's the partnership that God the Father, through his Son, through the Ruach HaKodesh, the Spirit of living God, is accomplishing in our daily lives. But we must be wary on what we receive. And that's why we have to take up God's word and to examine every teaching that we receive and line up with God's holy sealed word where we have the true prophets of God and the true apostles of God so that we'll know the mind and will of the Father. And as we, when we meditate on what is authentic, then we will be able to discern when things are amiss. And the Spirit of the living God will confirm what is amiss and what is holy and what is pure in God's good news. Praise be unto God. So continuing here, Shaul expects the letter, this letter of 1 Timothy, to be read to the whole Messianic community. Because one, when one, once they received this letter, the Lord blessed them with scribes within the congregation, and they would take that letter, and they would be busy about making copies. You know, that was very costly in that day. But it was worth the expense. Why? So that the word of God could go forth and build and encourage and strengthen. That God's people would know God's word and walk in unity and grow and to mature in their faith by showing love and compassion one towards another. Praise be unto God. So now as we dig here in a a little bit deeper in verse number two. Timothy is, is seen as a true son of Rav Shaul. Shaul himself circumcised Timothy. And how do we know this? Out of the book of Acts chapter 13, verse 9. And let us go ahead and turn to there. Acts 13 and verse 9. You may say, well, Rabbi, why do you always quote those scriptures, and have us turn there. Well, this is how we learn God's word. This is how we test what Rabbi Frank is saying. Is it true or not? Or is he just simply making things up? As you should test everything. Then Shaul, also known as Paul, fulfilled what the Ruach HaKodesh started straight at him and said, you are the son of Satan, full of fraud and envy, you enemy of everything that is good. I'm going to make sure I'm in the right portion here. Yeah, I'm in, in verse 13. I apologize. So you got to test yourself. See how quickly with my just reading the scripture, I, I notice, hey, I'm not in the right place. Okay, so here we are in Acts chapter um. 13, Acts 16, uh, 1 through 3. I miswrote it on my page here. So Acts 16, verse 1. Shaul came down to Derby and went to Lystra, where there lived a Talmi, that is a disciple named Timothy. He was the son of a Jewish woman who had come to trust, that is to faith, and a Greek father. All the brothers in Lystra and Iconium spoke well of Timothy. Shaul wanted Timothy to accompany him. So he took him and did the Brit Milah, that is, the circum he circumcised him, because of the Jews living in those areas, for they all knew that his father had been a Greek. And so for uh, Timothy, who had a Jewish mother, who had not been circumcised up to that point, the Spirit revealed to Rav Shaul that he had to be circumcised so that Rav Shaul could send him as an emissary in his stead, a young rabbi teacher in his stead, 
And the question when they came to receive him, one of the questions would be this. Are you honoring God through the Torah? And what is the command? The command is this. When a Jewish male reaches the age of eight, he is to undergo what? The Brit Milah, which is a sign of the covenant written in his flesh, the Torah written in his flesh. So putting away all dispute that Timothy, who was he, who he was, and represented by God, the Spirit instructed Rav Shaul that this is what had to take place. So continuing here. So Timothy, who was Shaul's, one of his closest co-workers. And how do we know this? As we go further here into uh, Acts chapter 16, verses 4 through 8. As they went through the towns, they delivered to the people the decisions reached by the emissaries and the elders in Jerusalem for them to observe according to the congregations were strengthened in faith and increased in number day by day. They traveled through the region of Phrygia, Galatia, because they had been prevented by the Ruach HaKodesh from speaking the message in the province of Asia. When they came to the frontier of Mycenae, they tried to go into Bethnia, but the spirit of Yeshua would not let them. So after passing by Messiah, they came down to Troas. And so this speaks how the spirit of the living God was leading and guiding them in everything that they did. Continuing now to prove that there is a relationship with Rav Shaul and Timothy, let us continue now in Acts chapter 17. And look at verses 14 and 15. And this is what it says here. The brothers sent Shaul away at once to go down to the seacoast. Why Sila and Timothy stayed behind. Shaul's escort went with him as far as Athens. Then left with instructions for Sila and Timothy to come as quickly as they could. Here's further confirmation that they had a prior relationship with one another, and that God was using Timothy in the areas of ministry. And so with this, he was earning his credentials as a servant of the God Most High, who was being endorsed. And here are examples where God had used this young man, Timothy. Now let us continue in Acts chapter 8 and verse 5. But after Sila and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Shaul felt pressed by the urgency of the message and testified in depth to the Jews that Yeshua is the Messiah. Now, continuing in Acts chapter 19, as we get further evidence and clarification that this was not just a one-time event, but this was a continuing, for Rav Shaul was pouring his life in this young man, because he knew that one day he was going to have to pass the baton, and that Timothy would carry that baton and raise up and build up others in their faith and trust in Messiah. Praise be unto God. And so here we are in Acts chapter 19 and verse number 22. So he dispatched two of his helpers, Timothy and Ephratus, to Macedonia. But he himself remained in the province of Asia for a while. And so with this, let's now move to verse chapter 20 and verse number 4. And this is what the insights it gives here. So Pather from Berea, he's naming names, the son of Phyrus, accompanied him, as did Atastarchus Secundus from Thessalonica, Gaius from Derby, and Timothy, Tychus and Trimiphes from the province of Asia. And so with this, we see that Rav Shaul is also raising up other men and equipping them with provision and giving them firm instruction to build up others in their faith. Praise be unto God. And so 
Timothy literally received in his lifetime before the passing of Rav Shaul, Shaul's 13 letters, and he is mentioned in eight others, also at Messianic Hughes, which is the book of Hebrews. And let's go ahead and turn there for more confirmation. See, this is how you search through the scriptures. It takes time, due diligence, and that way your strength, your faith is being strengthened and equipped, and you have these words of God's word, which are holy and true, that have been planted as seeds of proof and evidence that when God says what he's going to do, he's going to, go, he, he's going to accomplish it at his time, at his pace, and at his setting. God never reneges on his promises. They are yes and amen. Praise be unto God. And so here we are in the book of Hebrews, chapter number 13, and verse number 23. And this is what it says here. Know that our brother, whom Timothy, has been released. If he comes soon enough, I will bring him with me when I come to see you. And so here we see that the writer of Hebrews, who we don't even know because his name's not even listed, that down the road that this writer of Hebrews, and some speculate it was Rav Shaul, some say Luke, some say this person, that person. Well, the scripture doesn't give us that evidence. But we know this, this was a person that whoever the author of Hebrews was, who was inspired by the Spirit of the living God, saw Timothy as a worthy vessel, one who had proven himself through both easy and hard times as being a true person, a true teacher, a true rabbi of God's word to be dispensed to, be dispensed to both Jews and Gentiles alike. So continuing here, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, the first part of the verse. To Timothy, a true son, because of your trust. So First and Second Timothy, because there are two books, along with Titus, are commonly grouped together, and they're called what? The pastoral letters. Instruction for pastors, for rabbis, for elders, for deacons, how to serve. And remember, underline that word. We're called as servants of God to God's people. God's people do not serve us. They serve God. We are servants to the Lord. And what is our the work that we're to do? We're to build up, to strengthen, to encourage, and to bless, to watch over, to protect all God's people that we come across. You're not to build us up. We're to build you up. That is the true portion that a rabbi, a pastor, an elder, or a deacon is to do. They're to build up those around them and to encourage, watch over, protect, intercede, stand in the gaps, take the arrows, take the blows. That is our intercession. That's our portion. But if you look today, it's the opposite. False teachers, false apostles, false prophets, they go about trying to make themselves wealthy and to have people follow after them. That's completely wrong. Whoever you're sitting under as a teacher, as an instructor, as a spiritual leader, if they're not pointing you towards Yeshua and magnifying him, I encourage you, move on. That person is just in it for themselves. They're building up a following. They desire your money. 
so that they can become rich and make a name for themselves. They're building their own kingdom. We're to be about doing what? Building God's kingdom. Sacrificing our even lives. Everything we own. We are the Lord's servants. We are to build up and establish God's kingdom in the mind and the hearts of all God's people. And if we're not doing that, we're walking in rebellion against God. And you are to have the discernment to know the difference. Praise be unto God. Rabbi Frank, that's a heavy word. It's God's word. It's true. So continuing here. Timothy, a Messianic Jew, having a Jewish mother and a Greek father. He was from Lystra in Rome, the province of Galatia. Shaul Paul wrote 1 Timothy while he was in prison at Rome. So all these insights, you may say, well, Rabbi Frank, you already touched on some of those things. Repetition is once the greatest teachers. And we're to meditate and hide God's word in our heart so that we won't do what? So we will not sin against him and doing what is unpleasing in our father's sight. So now let us look at 1 Timothy chapter 3, the portion there which says this, I have also counseled you when I was leaving for Macedonia. And so this trip of Shaul is not recorded in the book of Acts. You know what's amazing? When you look at the book of Acts, you think, wow, there's a lot of material in there. Not everything that was said or done or recorded. Luke was given instruction by the Spirit of the living God to talk to these individuals who experienced these things. He was also a, a travel, travel companion to Rav Shaul, the Apostle Paul. He endured the hardships. He was an eyewitness to a lot of these things. And so what he recorded, he was led by the Spirit of the living God to record. You know, if you read the, the Gospel of John, it says this, if everything that Yeshua said and did was recorded in a book, there would not be enough books in the world to contain all that he did. Praise be unto God. So let us continue here. So in Acts, excuse me, I'll back up. The trip of Shaul is not recorded in the book of Acts. Perhaps after being in prison in Rome, as recorded in Acts 28, and I'm not going to read that whole chapter today. That's for homework. Because you're supposed to test everything I share and to see if it lines up with God's word. So continuing here. Shaul was released and able to travel to the congregations. He started in Philippi, then Thessalonica, and Berea. And how do we know this? Acts chapter 16 through chapter 17. And of course, Rabbi Frank does not have the, the time to read through all those chapters for us today. So let us continue. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Timothy was ordered what in 1 Timothy chapter 3? He was ordered to command certain people to stop teaching a different doctrine. And what is the word doctrine? That's simply a teaching. So probably one with both the Jews, Jewish and pre-Gnostic components. Now you may be asking, what's a Gnostic? I've never heard of that word. Some of you know who that is. These are people that come before you and say this. I have received a dream from the Lord. I have received a vision from the Lord. And I now have this hidden knowledge that was only given to me. So now, if you'd like to hear this uh, hidden knowledge, here, here's my fee. You have to pay my fee. So now you can receive this hidden knowledge. That's a sad demonstration of how these false apostles and prophets and teachers do. What is their bottom line? to enrich themselves. This not, has not changed from that time up into our time present, and will probably continue. Because Rav Shaul said, know this, that in the latter days, and he was speaking the days that he was living, there will come among you those from among you will be wolves in sheep's clothing, desiring to fleece 
the flock of God. See, Satan doesn't want to attack those who are in the world and not born again. He wants to attack those who represent God on the earth, both Jews and Gentiles, who have been spiritually born again. And so how does he dissuade them? By bringing in false apostles and prophets and teachers, bulls and sleep clothing, who speak half-truths, and they pervert and they change the good news that was delivered to us. Because if Satan can cause us to question God and his promises and fulfilling his word, then we're not about our father's business. And then he has won until the moment that we allow the spirit of living God to speak to our hearts and minds. And as we study scripture, and then we're reconciled to the Lord, and we're back on the path that the Lord has set us. See, if Satan cannot take us out, he desires what? To confuse us. To lead us astray. And I've, as I've said many times, when you're using a compass, if you just go off one degree, you'll never reach your destination. And that's how subtle Satan is. And I mean, his servants are so polished. They know the right words. They know how to motivate us. They know how to dissuade us. And Satan is using them every day. I believe this once we're standing up in heaven and the Lord has a great white throne judgment, There'll be men and women of God will be standing before him. And he'll be saying to them, depart from me, for I never knew you. They had the language. They had the words. They were polished. They appeared to be God's servants, but they were not. And this is simply what, what Rav Shaul is warning Timothy. You are to name names. You are to call them out. And you're to remove them from the influence within the Messianic community. They're to be put outside. So that if they were once true believers, they will show what fruits of repentance. And they'll be reconciled unto God. But if they do not go after that path and be reconciled to confess their sins, then they're to be remained outside. Did not the Lord say that his seed was going to bring a harvest? But he warned the angels, do not separate the chief from the, the, the wheat from the chaff. There's chaff that's growing up around us that appear to be God's servants, but they're not. I will give you the sermon as you spend time in his word, knowing the difference. Let us continue. Praise be unto God. So, one way of that pagans misuse Jewish practices, and we'll look at this example here. Turn now with me to Colossians uh, chapter 2, and we'll read uh, verse number 16 through 23, Colossians chapter 2. And this will give us further insight. Rabbi, you're giving us a workout. Praise be unto God. Because we're to say to our flesh, I want to meditate on God's word. Because as God's servant, I want to be able to divide his word truthfully and understand it on my own. Because I've been given a responsibility to know God's word, to apply it to my own personal life, and also to share it with others. So this is what it says here in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 16. Remember this, the, the, the people in Colossia, that, that, that Messianic community, was inundated 
by Jewish people who knew Messiah, but wanted to forcibly make Gentiles into Jews, which God desired them not to be. And how do we know this? In Acts chapter 15, read that chapter, and it'll give you further insights. And so was everything taken care of in Acts chapter 15? No, because those who were called the Judaizers kept coming in and tried to dissuade people who were from the nations that for them to be truly saved, to be truly born again, they had to follow the Torah to the same level that Jewish people were commanded to follow Torah. But Acts chapter 15, and I ask you, please read through that multiple times through many translations, and then you will receive what the Spirit of the living God requests those from the nations to do. And so here, Rav Shaul, he's now giving now definition of what this means. Verse number 16. So don't let anyone pass judgment on you in connection with eating or drinking in regard to a Jewish festival. Let's pause there because there's a lot of people who are now learning their, their uh, Hebrew roots to the Christian faith and they're getting so caught up in the festivals of the Lord, which is beautiful, okay? Because if, as you keep Yeshua as a center, then you'll be balanced. But when you pursue the feasts of the Lord, just as feasts of the Lord, and you put pressure on yourself or others to follow them, that's when you step off the path. These are both types and shadows. Do they reveal Yeshua? Absolutely. In his presence, in his character? Absolutely. But they're not the focal point. Yeshua and your personal relationship, your intimacy, that's the focal point. Let's continue. So don't let anyone pass judgment on you in connection with eating or drinking in regard to the Jewish festival or Rosh Hodesh, which are the new moons, or Shabbat. These are a what? They are a shadow of things that are coming. But the body is of Messiah. And please allow me to add this name, Yeshua. It's all about Messiah Yeshua. And once you get off that by one degree, then you're being misled. It's all about Yeshua, your intimacy, your relationship with him. That's why Yeshua will say to those goats in the future, depart from me, for I never knew you, because they left if they were ever born again. Their intimacy, their personal relationship directly with Yeshua. So continuing here, verse number 18. Don't let anyone deny you the prize. What is the prize? Your salvation. Yeshua is the prize in all these things. That's the focal point. Continuing here. Don't let anyone deny you the prize by insisting that you engage in some self-mortification. Did you hear that word? People putting pressure on you to mortify your body, soul, or spirit to perform as they desire for you to perform. Continuing here. Don't let anyone deny you the prize by insisting that you engage in self-mortification or angel worship. You know, there's a lot of believers now that they're just praying and asking God, send me an angel. Lord, I, I, need, I need to be built up today. And you know what? There's an angel that's waiting to appear before you. He's called the angel of light. And he will dispatch any of those fallen angels to you. And they'll bring dreams. They'll bring visions. They'll bring manifestations. They will even bring healings to lead you astray. So you think, well, this is a new thing for today. No, it's not. Rav Shul was speaking to those Messianic believers living in the area of Colossae. So continuing here, such people are always going about with some vision. Well, the Lord just gave me a vision today. I got to go on my podcast. I got to have my three trillion followers. And I know that's a ridiculous statement. No one has three trillion followers. 
Oh, did, Rabbi Frank, did you see that vision the other day that someone posted? Or this dream? You got to see this. It's like you're tick-tocking around your whole relationship with the Lord. And you're looking for all these new experiences. So let's continue here. Such people are always going on about some vision that they had. And they vainly puff themselves up by worldly outlook. Doesn't that sound contemporary today? Absolutely. Continuing. They fail to hold to the head from which the whole body, and who's the head? It's Yeshua. From which the whole body receiving supply. Who's our provision? Who's giving you eternal life? Who sustains you? Who do you receive your next breath from? Who inspires you? Who equips you? Who intercedes before the Father in your behalf? Who has died upon the execution stake and raised from the dead and offered his own blood upon the altar in heaven? Who has washed your sins away? It's Yeshua. Continuing here. They fail to hold, as verse 19, for they fail to hold to the head from whom the whole body receiving supply, being held together by its joints and ligaments. That's speaking about the whole body of Messiah. Whether you be a Jew or Gentile, we're all one body. Continuing here. I'll read that verse again. They fail to hold this verse 19. They fail to hold to the head from the whole body receiving supply and being held together by its joints and ligaments. Grows as God makes it grow. So who's producing growth in your life? True spiritual life and growth. It's God the Father. Continuing you. If along with the Messiah, you died to the elemental spirits of the world. See, in God's eyes, we've already died to all this desire for worldly things. But we must rise up every day and do what? Crucify our own flesh. That doesn't mean literally you have to go out there and take a hammer with a nail and they made up this wood beam and you're supposed to hit that in. Okay, when you're done there, how are you going to drive the, the nail in the other hand? Hey, buddy, can you help me out here? See, that's just a symbol and type that we're to put to death our old carnal nature. So let us continue here. If any, if along with the Messiah, you die to the elemental spirits of the world, then why, as if you still belong to the world, are you letting yourselves be bothered by its rules? So why are you letting these people who don't have your best interest at heart, why are you even listening to them? Why are you even following their rules? Haven't you been set free? Are you not to be ruled by the Spirit of the living God who speaks into your heart and confirms his word daily of what a holy life is to be? Or are you going to be misled back into the world? Are you going to be misled back into religion and forsake your relationship that you have with Yeshua? That's a question we have to face moment by moment, hour by hour, every day. Do I pursue Yeshua in my relationship with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength? Or have I now made a religion and now I have another God, who is Yeshua in my mind that I've made up? Have I been led astray? These are questions we have to ask ourselves. Do we have a liberal communion? I'm not talking about the, the, the crackers and the, and, the, and the grape juice, but do we have an ongoing daily relationship? Do we set time aside throughout our day, not just on Shabbat, or whatever day you want to pick of the week, are you spending time in the presence of Yeshua? Have you shut off the computer? Have you shut off your phone? Have you shut off the TV? 
Have you shut off these things? And are you going into that inner place where the spirit living God speaks to you directly, equips you, empowers you, strengthens you? Are you having prayer and fellowship and simply listening to Yeshua? My brothers and sisters, we're, we're in the last days. And there's all kinds of winds of garbage, demonic doctrines that are floating. There are men and women of God who their lives that has been hidden behind closed doors is being revealed moment by moment. And the majority of those are forsaking their relationship with Yeshua. They're denying him and they're going back to the world. What's going to keep us from separating us from the presence of the Lord? Satan can't do it. No one in the world can do it. But you and I can decide to forsake the Lord. This is a heavy word. Praise be unto God. But it is God's word as we go forward. Praise be unto the Lord. So let us continue here in this portion. Verse 20, if along with Messiah you died to the elemental spirits of the world, then why, as if you still belong to the world, are you letting yourselves be bothered by its rules? Don't touch this. Can that be any more simpler than that? Both profound? Don't touch this. Don't eat that. Don't handle the other. So such prohibitions are concerned with the things meant to perish by being used, not by being avoided. They are based on man-made rules and teaching. And we're going to end on this today. They do indeed have the outward appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed religious observances, false humility, and asceticism. But they have no value at all in restraining people from indulging into their old nature. Praise be to God. We're going to end on that portion there. I know it's a lot to think about. But we have to apply God's word daily to our lives so that we'll have discernment. We'll have God's divine filter on all these messages, all these talking heads, all these winds of doctrines that we're being buffeted about so that we'll be solid and sure, listening to what the Spirit of the living God is speaking to our hearts through his word and accomplishing all what is pleasing in the Father's sight. This is our heart's desire. Shabbat Shalom.